Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. What's up and welcome to the Fantasy Football Frenzy Weekend Edition right here on FNTSY Radio. Glory Parson, the Fantasy Executive, my main man, George Kurtz, got you covered for the next hour. On a Sunday afternoon, talking fantasy football as we push closer and closer to the kickoff of the 2018 season. Coming up on the program today, maybe a little bit later on in the show, actually, I want to start looking at some of these teams' rosters, some depth charts, get George opinions on some of these position battles that could be coming up as we head into training camp and the mandatory mini camps. Also got a lot of news going down this week. We'll get into that stuff. Telephone lines are open, 844-843-6879. George Kurtz, my man, how was your week, buddy? My week's been pretty good, Corey. I got to tell you, I am so happy to be here, Corey. And I was happy to do the show before this, too, with uh, Kevin. You know what, Kevin Walsh? You want to know why, Corey? Why is that? Because my daughter has a soccer, soccer games today and a parade. And, you know, I know this is uh, going to sound terrible, but... You had to work. I, I want to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a... I get to talk football with Corey rather than spinning out on a field watching... <laughs> Terrible, bad soccer. <laughs> I'll keep it between me, you, and the audience, George. I got you. I can feel you 100% on that one, and I'm uh, glad to be here talking a little fantasy football with you. And I want to hop into it. Uh, social media has really been a big uh, part of how certain NFL players get their message out, whether it be on some social injustice or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe they follow they unfollow their teammates and the team on social media, take down photos, you know, to signal the start of a contract dispute. Or maybe they do what our guy Antonio Brown did this week, George. On his Instagram page, he called out one of his former coaches in Bruce Arians. He said Arians said that he was nothing more than a special teams guy and that he wasn't smart enough to learn the routes and the hot reads and stuff like that. He also called, called out his current head coach, Mike Tomlin, saying that Mike Tomlin once said he'll bench him on a bye week. It's two dogs, one bone. This is probably in Antonio Brown's early career when he wasn't getting on the field as much. Some people say, well, maybe Brown is using that as motivation for himself. George, when I see stuff like this, I tend to think that the player's mind state is not right and not ready for the upcoming season, though. Oh, I'm with you. Uh, listen, you want to you want to criticize a former coach? All right, that's one thing. Criticizing your head coach, especially with some of the antics you've done, posting that locker room thing on Facebook and all that. I mean, I, you might want to uh, think twice. Uh, you know, I'm a Herman Edwards guy. Okay, I, I miss Herman Edwards on ESPN's NFL Live. And what would Herman Edwards always say? You know, think before you hit send. Yeah. Matter of fact, probably don't hit send. And this to me it just reeks of he didn't think this thing through at all. Do you think he could have been putting up there as motivation to say, you know, I was the guy that was drafted in the sixth round, look at where I've come from, um, look how hard I had to work to get here. Could he have been doing that as a motivational thing? Because he can almost take that route too, and it doesn't look like he's calling people out. But I do think putting his current coach's name in there, if that's the rub, if that's the skinny though, if that's what he says the reason for the post was motivation for himself, you buying that? But that's why I, listen, I have no problem criticizing the former coach, right? Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to use that as motivation? Fine. Why would you criticize your head coach? I mean, why don't you just go to Ben Roethlisberger next to the guy who's throwing you the football? I mean, it, it does, it's just not wise. You know, I, listen, we, we've all heard players who've used this for motivation, right? Randy Moss, because all the teams that passed over him, Tom Brady drafted in the sixth round, where everybody passed over him. You know, Dan Marino was last pick in the first round, so he hated everybody. You know, I, I get it. And I guess that if that works for you, hey, that's great. But you don't criticize that your teammates, the guys that you're playing with now, or the, your coaches, the guys who are coaching you now. It just, what's your upside here other than motivation for you? Now they're going to look at you sideways. You know, you got, I, just don't, I just don't see, this is not enough advantage for me. 
you, they got a situation, right, George, where, like you said, you know, the, the situation on Facebook, which they were very upset about. They didn't like that at all. It definitely was a me-type a me move from Antonio Brown. Not, But don't overlook the fact that when Mike Wallace was the best wide receiver on that team and he wanted to get paid and get his money, they didn't pay him. They let him walk, and they gave that money to Antonio Brown the next year. So the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, Mike Tomlin, that whole gang out there, I would say that they've done right by Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown has done right by them. Why screw with it right now? Even the Steelers have this history, right? I mean, you know, they, they don't. They made the right move there. Antonio Brown ended up being the better player. They were able to see that. You know, he's been paid. He's got a nice contract. I, I, I don't know where the. Uh, to me, I just I don't think he thought this through. That's where where I go with this. I just don't think not that he's a dumb or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I just don't think he thought yeah. this through. You know, uh, and uh, why would you ever criticize your head coach? Why? Because you see what's going on in New England with Brady and Belichick. You want to get a piece of this too? You think it's open season on head coaches? Uh, even Brady hasn't come out bluntly and done anything like that. Um, I think you're you're probably right. It's probably more of a motivational ploy that he just you know. Oh, wait, Tomlin, he's still the head coach. Uh, oh, damn, probably shouldn't have done that. I think he probably regrets it now, but yeah. in the time, he thought it was the right thing to do for himself. But I, I see, you wish they would rethink so and think them through before they actually send some of these things out. Now, when it comes to what we do for fantasy football, clearly Antonio Brown's the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Antonio Brown is the Jerry Rice of this generation, minus the championships. And he still has time to get that. Pittsburgh is going to be a team that's going to be in the mix in the AFC. So you never know. Listen, he's been the most reliable, the most trustworthy thing in fantasy football for a few years now. I don't like players that have drama-filled off-seasons, but I'm not going to go away from Antonio Brown. As a matter of fact, George, you know, Every year we put a guy, this is the consensus number one pick. When that guy is not Antonio Brown, it's almost like, are we making a mistake? Because you know that Antonio Brown is going to hit his value, even if you pick him at 1-1. I have no problem taking Antonio Brown anywhere. Now, me, I probably wouldn't do it any earlier than four because running backs are so slim. You know, if, if, listen, if running backs were as, as deep as wide receivers, Antonio Brown would be my first pick. Yeah, yeah. but they're not. That's the bottom line here. They're not. That's why you take the run, uh, some, a couple of running backs ahead of Brown. He's consistent. Though, uh, I mean, I'm not worried about Todd Haley not being the offensive coordinator anymore. Actually, I'm surprised Brown didn't go after him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess he got on the ball, right? So he can't. But uh, everybody else has criticized uh, Haley, so why not Antonio Brown as well? But, uh, I mean, really, who, let, let's just say for argument's sake, you're not taking Brown as your number one wide receiver. Well, then who? Who's your number one? I mean, is there anybody that's even close here? Hopkins, love the player, but, you know, let's see Deshaun Watson do it again. Odell Beckham coming off the ankle. Let's make sure he can cut, you know, that he can run those routes crisply, sharply. And after that, I don't think there's anybody else even remotely in the conversation no, it's, here. It's no doubt that he's number one wide receiver in fantasy football. Could he be the number one player in fantasy football if he finishes the season with the most fantasy points? None of us would be shocked because that's the kind of player that Antonio Brown is. So I just found it interesting that he would put himself in the news like this when, you know, really he should be rehabbing from that injury he suffered late last year and getting ready to get back on the football field. And I'm sure Antonio Brown is motivated to do that. And George, I, I think he continues to have terrific seasons. I don't mind paying up for a guy like Antonio Brown, whether it's the draft, whether it's the auction. I agree with you now because of position. If you get a chance to get one of those top backs, you go ahead and do it. But after, really, I would consider Antonio Brown as high as three. I was just about to ask you that. You know, uh, which would be, what would it be? Gurley and Bell would be ahead of him? Gurley and Bell. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's that's exactly uh, the earliest I could take Brown. I would take Gurley. Uh, I, actually, I, Bell, I would have number one if he was going to show up to camp. I might get worried that he gets up to a slow start again or a, uh, a leg injury. Uh, it seems like players who hold out of camp, sometimes they get that groin pull, calf pull, hamstring, whatever it is. But I'll take Bell no low, lower than two. I uh, Because I'm worried about the Cowboy offense and the Arizona offense, for that matter, that drops Elliott and Johnson a little bit for me. I have Brown third overall. 
Yep, no doubt about it. Now, let me get into this with you. This week, find out in the news that Julian Edelman is going to be um, suspended for the first four games, may lose a game or two, may get it down a game or two as he goes through the appeal process. He's already put out a statement more or less saying that, you know, like through his rehab or whatever, must have been something he was taking or he missed. Julian Edelman, obviously a guy that was going to be one of the top targets for Tom Brady. You know how that New England Patriot offense go. Gronk, Edelman is the pecking order. Hogan to get his. They'll mix it up. The kid Michelle also get his, but it's kind of Gronk, and you know Edelman is the guy that is definitely going to finish as a top 20 wide receiver in PPR. He loses four games now. I say Chris Hogan gets a bump up, but what I worry about is Chris Hogan getting too much of a bump up. Corey, when did the 2018 Patriots become the early 90s Cowboys? <laughs> Drama filled, huh? I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, Every it's, it's unbelievable something. when... Right, it is. And now we also heard that Gronk, made, well, they wanted to trade him, but Brady sort of nixed that. And then Kerr said, okay, we're going to piss off Brady. He's going to retire. We can't do the deal. How true that is, anybody's guess. You know, then you go back to Garoppolo last year, that maybe Brady wanted him traded. Maybe, yes, maybe they traded Brady, uh, Garoppolo because they had to get something for him before he goes. The whole Alex Guerrero situation. And Edelman, by the way, is a Guerrero client. And Guerrero had to go. come out with a statement. He had to come out with a statement this week. No, not my fault. Pretty much that's what yep. it was. No, not me. You know, so every week now, it's it's almost every day now, it seems like it's something going there. Brady and Belichick, is this a power struggle? In my mind, this is Brady and Belichick with a power struggle here. You know, because uh, Belichick, you know, is going to, listen, this is why you don't train with off, you know, off campus. It's why you don't train with someone like Guerrero because, shit, you know, stuff like this happens. All of a sudden, he's uh, suspended for four games here. You know, this is, this is strange to me what's going on here. Uh, as for Hogan, I agree. I, if you play him too much or he uh, – you you spend too high a price on him, he's going to break down. He's going to get hurt. That's his history has been. I like the player, but in a reasonable amount of touches, reasonable amount of minutes, I don't want him as a wide receiver one, where New England's going to use him as a wide receiver one because he's going to break down. You know, uh, Brady's losing targets here. Lost Brandon Cooks, lost his deep threat. Now you lose Edelman. You know, they, you know, if Gronk gets hurt early on, they're going to be in some trouble here. And I think this is why, part of the reason why Brady is so pissed, by the way, because I think Brady's thinking, you know what, I take a, a severe cut in, my, in quarterback salary. He's making, what, around $10 million a year? He could easily get 30 you know, easily, if he wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, but he takes less. He goes, I'm taking less, so we have other players to pay, you know, players that are going to help me. What? Well, I lost my left tackle because we didn't pay him. You know, I, I lost Brandon Cooks because you traded him away. Now, maybe Brady wanted him traded away. Maybe they weren't on the same page. Who do I have left? Where's this $20 million that I'm not getting paid going to? And I think that's part of the problem. I think this is where Brady feels slighted. You know, where, hey, I'm taking all this less money, and why am I not seeing the players I want to see, the players I need? I think that's what's going on here between Brady, Belichick, Kraft, and part of the problem is, Brady, is Brady's upset. I'm taking less money, yet I'm losing players. And you know who got a raise in that New England situation this past offseason? His offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Interesting. Yeah, he pulled some sh- shady shit too, right? With uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go with uh, Indianapolis. Uh, maybe not coming back. And I, you know, I wonder this. You know, uh, Kevin Walsh and I discussed uh, this this morning. I absolutely believe he's been promised the head coaching job after Belichick leaves. I'm sure he got paid handsomely as well too. He's probably mm-hmm. probably the highest paid coordinator in the NFL. But you know, we also theorized. Has uh, McDaniel's been told? Listen, Belichick's a couple of years more. You know, uh, and then he's done. You know, and then he's he's uh, he's been told when Brady retires where Belichick goes. You know, so I wonder if that's part of it too. But then again, if you're McDaniel's, yeah, no Brady. You know how good your team's going to be. Odds are Gronk won't be around either. I think Brady and Gronk go together. I think when once one retires, the other retires. So uh, you know, I don't. Know, uh, I guess you're getting paid. It's worth it to stay. You, your family's there and all that. But how good is that team going to be when you no know Brady, no Gronk, and right now you don't have a quarterback. I think this is the last run right here. They're very lucky that the AFC is weak. This team would have a hard time competing in the NFC. Not to say that they still wouldn't be a division champion or a or 10-win team, but they won't be a 13- or 14-win team in the NFC like they could be in the AFC. So going to be interesting to see how the New England Patriots season play out. <clears throat> The kid, Sony Michelle, is interesting. He's really the most intriguing piece on the roster when it comes far as is, is, uh, what his draft value would be. He should fall inside that RB2 range, but it's going to be inconsistent, George. We discussed him last week. No reason to uh, carry on with that. So that's kind of some of the stories that's been going down this week. And as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, George, we see that the, um, the intensity is picking up. 
Yeah, it'll, it'll, it should slow down now. Once OTAs uh, end, and we just heard about Earl Thomas is not going to the Seahawks OTA. Yep. But uh, once they slow down, we'll have, it'll be a dead period for a couple of weeks until training camp opens up, usually at the end of June, uh, July. But uh, football is truly the sport that never sleeps. It really, I mean, and New England's keeping us all in business, right? Because there's always something coming out of New England we can talk about it. Like I said, this is the 90s Cowboys again. You know, there was no Twitter or Facebook and Instagram and everything else around in the early 90s. If there was, the Cowboys would have blew that up. Oh, my God. I remember, George, you remember that the week, this was, this, this was in the Twitter era. I mean, it wasn't those great Cowboy teams of that of that time. Um, it was a, you know how the Cowboys would play every week, every season, week 17, to see if they get in the playoffs or not? When they were playing, I'm quite sure you remember a Sunday night football game in D.C., the last game of the year. Oh, and Romo yeah. throws a horrific interception in the fourth quarter. Washington goes on to win the game. Do you know that son that ha- that Tony Romo's name trended on Twitter from that Sunday night to that Tuesday night? I've never seen anything like that yeah. before. He's for the, uh, he was a top trending in the country for forty eight hours. <laughs> that is not a memory I want to uh, I want to bring back. With the that Cowboys, a, they lost to Washington. They they got crushed by Philadelphia, Philadelphia one year. Beat them down. Uh, there's a, it wasn't pretty. That interception was on a screen pass, too, and he just didn't get the ball high enough. Uh, I forget who intercepted it offhand, but uh, not DC good times li- for the DC, Cowboys. A D.C. linebacker. Lineman, and, yeah. Um, yeah mm-hmm, and, that, and that propelled the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, that propelled D.C. into the playoffs. I believe Robert Griffin was the quarterback. I almost 100% could believe that you're correct there. Thank you for ruining my day, by the way. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> we could talk about the catch, too. Uh, rest of God bless the soul of Dwight Clark, who passed this week also. So when we come back on the other side, uh, George, you want to hop into this Seattle Seahawks running back situation. Maybe after that, we start to go through some of these roster moves in the NFL, look at some teams, depth shots, and break it down what we think about it. This is Fancy Football Frenzy right here on FNTSY Radio. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Fantasy Football Frenzy right here on FNTSY Radio. The exec and George Kurtz. Weekend edition telephone number to get involved. 844-843-6879. George, um, Rashad Penny, rookie running back for the Seattle Seahawks, is the second rookie going off the board currently in fantasy drafts as far as the running back position goes. He is going most drafts I've seen in about the third or fourth round of drafts. So he's being drafted as a player that can flirt with RB1 status towards the end of the, when you know, when you total them all up at the end of the season. But one thing, George, I think the fantasy owners need to think about is Chris Carson, who, you know, on 49 carries last year, averaged 4.2 yards a pop. He also was able to catch some footballs out the backfield he kind of projected to be a three-down back. He has been showing off so far this year in our training camp. He's definitely up for the competition. Should we pull back the reins on Penny a little bit and see how this plays out, or do you think Penny's a superior talent? They went and got him in the first round. They're going to give him the chance to be the three-down guy. I agree with everything you just said. All right? And I, <laughs> I don't understand because I don't understand why Seattle made this pick. And it has nothing to do against Penny. You know, I think Penny's going to be is a good back. But A, I thought Chris Carson well, could have been a good enough back. I thought B, he could have taken a running back later in the draft. And C, 
How about an offensive lineman, Pete? Because if you don't have a blocker, none of this is going to matter. All right? None of this is going to matter. Uh, this pick shocked me. Generally, you don't take running backs in the first round. Seeing Penny and Sonny Michelle, I know we, we beat up already, going for New England in the first round, shocking. Shocking. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, Penny, I he's a bigger guy. Great, because he's going to have to have tackles bounce off him. He's got that t- first tackle has to miss him because they don't have that. You know, he's going to get hit in the backfield a lot. This offense uh, thrived or lived last year on Russell Wilson buying time back there, making plays. I understand you need a threat of a running game, and I agree with it. But in today's NFL, since teams generally don't draft running backs early, you can get value later on, and you take the offensive lineman in the first round to help Russell Wilson, to help the running game here. So I don't know if any of this matters. You know, and I also wonder, you know, Rashad Penny, he is the bigger guy, which means he may not be able to uh, get people to miss, not right away. Maybe that is Carson's more of his forte, where he can make somebody miss. Uh, I thought Seattle missed the boat here. I said, I would not have taken a running back first. And I said, this is not a knock on Penny. It's a knock on the offensive line. I would have taken a lineman to protect Wilson and gone with probably another running back, a lower running back later on, rather than taking Penny in the first round. But that being said, what's done is done. Uh, I think uh, I still want Penny to be the first guy I'm taking, but neither ones. I mean, you took a a low-end RB2 for me for Penny. Carson's in the mix now, too. Probably a low-end RB3 flex guy, bench guy, uh, backup. But this is going to be a problem in Seattle. Um, You don't like like the Seattle running back position at all. You're off on it altogether. I'm not off on it. You can't be off on anybody. Yeah, you're yeah, because right. running backs, it's just not deeper, so you can't be off. But uh, I don't think he's an RB1, no. Uh, low-end RB2, there'll be a lot of guys I'll take above him. But I'm not avoiding him because, once again, <laughs> it may come down to where back. I have no choice. Right? Not enough to go around. Yeah, he's a running back. So anytime you're a running back, you kind of have to be involved in the flow of the offense. When you look at this, the rest of the roster with the Seattle Seahawks team, obviously it's always interesting to look at the – um. It's always interesting to look at the wide receiver position, even though it's generally dominated by Russell, the apple of Russell Wilson's eye, his BFF, Doug Baldwin. A lot of people were on Baldwin in that two-three turn last year, maybe towards kind of towards the middle of the second round, coming off a of back-to-back outstanding fantasy seasons. He kind of disappointed. Where are you at on Baldwin this year? You're right. He did kind of disappoint last year. Didn't quite have the big season we were expecting. Uh, and it makes you wonder why. Because like, Russell Wilson was fantastic at buying time. So why didn't Doug have a good, the great season? You know, he sort of had to break that down. He had an okay season. You know, about 1,000 yards, 75 receptions, 8 touchdowns. That's not terrible. That's not terrible at all. But we were probably expecting... You know, maybe 10 more catches, certainly a couple hundred more yards. The touchdowns are what, what they are. They, you never really know what those. You know, and this year, without Jimmy Graham, maybe those touchdowns do go up now. Maybe he gets back at double digits. Uh, but the yardage I'm worried about here. When it comes down to where I'm going to take Baldwin, he's still in the wide receiver one category. For him. It's low end. You know, he's going to be in that same group with several other players. So it's going to depend on what you like. You know, by you, I don't mean Corey. I mean the, yes. the fantasy drafter. Would you rather have Baldwin or... Or Larry Fitzgerald, or Tyreek Hill. Adam Thielen will be in this group here. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, which all depends on Andrew Locke, by the way. You know, so right now, if I'm drafting, I'm staying away from T.Y. Demarius Thomas may be in this group, but at the low end. For me, I still like Baldwin. I still have hope. You know, no Paul Richardson there, no Jimmy Graham there. Yes, he's going to see a lion's share of the secondary coverage, but I still think he gets the job done. I think he's a safe play, because I think those numbers from last year are pretty much the floor. I think he'll do a little better than that, at least a little yeah, better than that. I think we paid maybe a little bit too high a price last year. This year he slots back to where he needs to be. I think you're comfortable with Doug Baldwin performing as a wide receiver, too, on this team. I'm not worried about the addition of Brandon Marshall. I think Brandon Marshall may be washed up, and I think also that it just doesn't – the Seahawks never really utilized that second wide receiver, and I don't think that was based on dual talent. I think it was more that's just not a part of their offense. Maybe you see them more this year without the big tight end, but um, I just feel as if you're looking at a situation where this is Doug Baldwin. He's a rock-solid RB2, but I do throw out to you, what do you think about Brandon Marshall? Uh, I think he's the definition of a possession receiver at this point in time. You know, he'll catch some balls, but that's it. Not going anywhere after that. He's not, not going to have any yak. Yeah, so I think that's what he is. He's still a big body, still knows how to get open. But the days of him you know, breaking away, those are done. So I, th- I think he could be a useful receiver. I do, especially with the money they paid him, which wasn't a hell of a lot. He could still be useful. Fantasy-wise, 
I mean, we start three with a flex. Assuming you only have one flex with standard leagues, he's probably one of the flex consideration for me. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even a bench guy to see what happens there. Not someone I'm dying to get. Don't. Bottom line is you don't want to pay for the name. Are you paying for any of the tight ends on this roster? Uh, they have a guy named Nick Vanett. They have Ed Dixon, the tremendous failure from, from, from that's played for Carolina for all of these years. They have two rookies on the roster and Will Disley and Clayton Wilson. Um, at, is, you know what? Graham caught a couple touchdowns last year and, and the year before that. I don't think it's something. we never really seen Luke Wilson break out from that position. I look at it. George, and I'm like, ah, it's nothing here, nothing whatsoever. This is a dead position on this team. I just wrote the tight end uh, breakdown for the Roto X exclusive edge package. Just wrote it on uh, Thursday, submitted it. I can tell you that I think I wrote up about 25 tight ends at seven tiers. No Seattle tight end made it. Uh, so, no. Uh, what, what did Leslie Nielsen say in uh, Naked Gun? Nothing to see here. Move along. That's it right there. You know, oh, speaking of the Roto Westbrook's exclusive edge package, I believe it'll be uh, released the 2018 version a little bit later on this week. So make sure you check in each and every day to find out more information when the uh, fantasy football package is launched. I'm writing in it. George is writing in it. Of course, you got Jake Seeley and his rankings. You have the uh, the King Scott Angle and so on and so forth. The BFFs, the whole crew, everybody's all uh, getting it, getting in, getting involved, and in, all uh, putting out the the content that we hope that you enjoy and purchase this upcoming season. With that being said, George, um, I get to start. I'm going to be doing some work on the package today myself. What have you what, what have you written so far for the exclusive edge package? So far, I've written um, old faces in new places. Obviously, that's free agents or trades or players like Brandon Cooks going to the Rams. What I think is valuable is Sammy Watkins going to other Chiefs. I think I wrote about 30 players there. I did the quarterback breakdown, which is uh, tiering quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers in a tier by himself. Tier two is Tom Brady and uh, Russell Wilson. And then on and on and on and on. And then I just did the tight end uh, breakdown, same thing, tiered. I'm writing three more columns. Uh, they'll, I, I write them pretty much one a week for the package. Uh, I'd be lying if I tell you I remember the titles of each column. I have to go back into uh, the list and see what the uh, titles are. Uh, no more breakdowns. That I know. The quarterback breakdown with tight end breakdown, we're done. I think I'm doing running back handcuffs offhand, uh, which I think in that nowadays, I don't know if there are hand- too many handcuffs anymore, Corey. I think yeah. nowadays a lot of these handcuffs you're drafting anyway. I'll say it again. Yeah, running exactly. Back so thin, not enough to go around. What'd you write? You just, you just got committees. Well, I, I, that's a good question. I know I'm going to be doing a round-by-round round analysis so today I'll get started on it. I'm probably start maybe start with my one man mock draft. But then Scott was like, "These articles got to be fifteen hundred words," and I'm like, "Excuse me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying?" Like, uh, I've blown way past that, by the way. <laughs> well, you do the doing the breakdowns. Uh, George is is heavy duty. It's heavy lifting. I'm not sure though. Uh, you, I, I know he's 1,500. Does that mean that's the max we can go? Because I think I've gone over 2,000 for each. And uh, no, no, that's that's I like the. About- that's, That's the minimum. Like the minimum. I know for yeah, a while like, there was a maximum, so uh, I want to be careful there not to, uh, I guess, just give the editor too much work. Wouldn't want the editor to have too much work. <laughs> you know he got to get his nap in. <laughs> the El Editor is the king. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you what, good times, George. Speaking of tight ends, I want to talk about a team in that, in that division, uh, the Arizona Cardinals who have long uh, ignored the tight end position. But um, do you have any interest in Ricky Seals-Jones, who kind of popped at times last year? Now, Ricky Seals-Jones did make my list. So he, uh, he did. Now, he's not, a t- he's not a tight end one. You know, I, as far as tight ends are concerned overall, I think there's only about 7 to 10 I trust, Corey. So mm-hmm. you're in a 12-team league, you know. My, I used to go into drafting a tight end where I'm going to wait. Yeah, you know, wait. I'm not gonna have Gronk. I'm not gonna have Olson. Not gonna have uh, Ertz. Not gonna have Kill. Because I'm gonna wait. I want to wait around eight, nine, ten. Grab one there. But this season might be a little different because I just don't think there's enough to go around. I may have to draft one a little earlier than I suspect. Which means if I'm gonna draft early, then I might go after Ertz and Kelsey if they fall a round or two. That being said, Ricky Seals Jones. My biggest problem right now is who's the quarterback gonna be? You know, yeah. you trust that Bradford's gonna start there? Uh, he can get hurt tomorrow. For all I know, you know, he gets hurt all the time. And if he does get hurt, well, now you're going to the rookie. You know, and now I always say with, with rookie quarterbacks, they love to throw to their big target over the middle close to the line of scrimmage. And I, I believe that. But still, it's not mean, it doesn't mean he's going to have a big season. You know, I like Josh Rosen. I do. Bottom line for Ricky Seals-Jones, 
I don't draft the backup tight end. It's rare that I'm going to take two tight ends. Only if I get stupid and draft Jordan Reed. And then I have to get a second tight end to cover myself when he's hurt. But assuming I don't do something like that, he's a tight end too for me. A guy you're going to claim off the waiver wire. You know, maybe a bye week filler. Uh, a guy to cover your, an injury, someone like that. He's not. He's going to be available in a lot of leagues. I do have some faith in him. I do. And I, maybe I would like it more if he had the same quarterbacks from last year who used him. You just never know what new quarterbacks are. They're going to feel the same way about him. And Jermaine Gresham's there as well. You know, so there, there are too many problems here, here for me. I do like the talent somewhat, but I'm not drafting him. Let me ask you about another tight end in this division that hit a little bit last year. Since you did the tight end breakdown, I'm like, I got you here. Um, Tyler Higby. But Gerald Everett is there. He's supposed to be promising upcomer. We saw Tyler Higby get more done last year. What do you think about that Rams tight end situation? We know what kind of offensive mastermind Scott McVay is. It could be some hidden value here, especially as you go through the bye weeks and stuff like that. Almost the same situation as Ricky Sill Jones. Yes, I, I do like him, but he's not going to make my top 12. He'll be a waiver Which one? pickup. Higby or Everett? <laughs> I'm going to go Higby first, but that's, yeah. that's also half the problem here. Just like Gresham is going to they're <laughs> going to cannibalize each other. You know, there's not just one here, and that's a situation that makes it difficult to figure out which one. But the, also the problem with the Rams is, A, you got Gurley, and you got what, what looks like a really good, damn good defense. You're not going to need to throw the ball around. You know, you're yeah. going to score points just by playing defense and running the ball. So there's, I don't think there's very, very big upside here where – I mean, Goff's not going to throw the ball 35-plus times a game. He's not going to have to. They're winning rushing and defense. This is another guy. You, I think you put it perfectly. Bye-week guy for you. Sure, if you can figure out which one's going to be the guy that week, then I'll take him on my tight ends on a bye. Final tight end in that division is George Kittle. Does he make your top 12? Yes, he does. I, I was uh, going to say he probably I, did. I'd like to call him a sleeper, but we're, everyone's talking about Kittle right now. So, you know, this is one of the things that ticks you off, you know, uh, because – you're not going to be able to sneak him in there. You're not going to, it's just not going to happen. We're all talking about uh, George Kittle. He's actually made uh, my top 10. 10. Yeah, he just barely makes it. I like Kittle as well. I think he's going to perform. Uh, and he's a guy I'm hoping, Corey, hoping that if I do decide to wait on, on tight end, that you can get around nine ish. You know, but mm-hmm. I, I just, the problem is we're all talking about him. I think his value is going to keep going up through June, July, August. So uh, he, won't be a, he won't be anywhere near a sleeper by the time draft season truly starts. 844-843-6879, Fantasy Football Frenzy, the weekend edition. Glad to have you on board. You want to get in here. We got telephone lines open. Um, George, for the um, – oh, boy, that's just, just it slipped my mind. You know us geniuses, George. Our minds work so quickly that sometimes a thought comes in and then it just exits right out. And that's something that came in my mind to ask you about just now. And I was like, hey, that's not a bad thing to ask George about. And now – I, it it slipped my genius brain. George? I, I'm, I'm George? trying to read your mind, Corey. Trying to read your mind. Okay? Trying to read your uh, mind here. I mean, we had talked about the package. By the way, I figured out what my other columns were for the package since uh, you okay. asked. I'll be, be writing about running back handcuffs, so I did know that. And, hey, um, when to draft the quarterback? which for me will be wait as, uh, pretty much as long as possible since so I don't like uh, drafting quarterbacks early at all. I'm a big believer in uh, and just waiting. And alter- alternative scoring systems, I'm a big fan of super flex leagues. You know, I think that's yeah. the way the le- leagues should go because mainly because of the other column I'm writing. When I, just, when I automatically tell you, wait on a quarterback, that means we have too many quarterbacks. Playing a super flex league, man, start two quarterbacks. Or you don't have to. You can start man, super flex. So you don't have to start a quarterback. But generally, it's geared towards that. It makes more strategy involved. Then you cannot wait till round nine to draft your quarterback. You may have to draft one or two earlier on. It makes the game more fun. And uh, also, I love IDP. I want to get rid of kickers. I want to get rid of defenses. Play IDP, even if you start off small. Linebacker, lineman. One secondary player. Everybody has an all-star, all-pro. You know, and you can build up from there in future years. Uh, so I'll be writing about that as well. You know what's crazy about that? Just by you going through that right now, that great thing I wanted to ask you about came right back into my mind. Have you got your invite to Scott's Fishbowl yet? Yes, yes. Uh, I think he said that out a, over a month ago. And then, I know he said that a reminder this week. So, yes. And I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to do because Scott always tweaks the rules a little bit. Well, you know, he's, I, last I, year he had the rule of the PP1. You know, not a PPR, P, point per first down, which, by the way, I, I like prefer more than point per reception because if Corey Parson catches the pass but loses three yards, why are you getting a point for that, Corey? 
No, you know, if you get a first that, down, that's a bonus. That is a bonus. It's true. Well, you know what, George? This is why this was such a brilliant idea by me. I talked to Scott Fish on Friday on the Fantasy Football Frenzy on Friday with myself, the all-in kid in Wall Street, Matt Medica, and I know what the rules are going to be this year. Well, do tell. And I'll share that when we come back right here. Fancy uh, football frenzy. Uh, <laughs> Look at Corey the veteran. <laughs> I, what I will say is um, the Scott Fishbowl shirts by Rotoware are pretty cool. I'm going to have to try to grab me one of those before Scott's Fishbowl start. Obviously, Scott's Fishbowl, they do a good job. Fantasy Cares, one of the top initiatives in fantasy sports where you can give back through the fantasy football or the fantasy sports community. When we come back on the other side, the rules of Scott Fishbowl, I will feel George Kurtz saying it's the Fantasy Football Frenzy on FNTSY Radio. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Football Frenzy right here on FNTSY Radio. So, earlier in the week, doing the weekday edition of the Fantasy Football Frenzy, gave our pal, buddy, gentleman, Scott Fish a call. Run Scott's Fishbowl, battle experts. You also have listeners, uh, site users, fans that uh, want to get involved and um, do it through an initiative for called Fantasy Cares. And they do a lot of stuff with giving back to the community from the fantasy community and stuff like that. They do a toy drive. So definitely do a good job. Scott's Fishbowl. You can check him out on Twitter at ScottFish24, I believe is his Twitter. So this year, George, you have a half-point PPR and you have half-point per first down. Ah, so a little, I guess, a mix of both worlds, right? Best of both worlds there. Uh, listen, I'm not one who complains about rules. As long as I know about them, I'm fine. I don't mind yep. it. I like it. I think it's sort of placating the people who want the PPR. You know, but as I said, that situation I threw out before, you know, a receiver catches a pass, loses three yards. Why is he rewarded a point for that or half mm-hmm. point for that matter? So I do kind of like that. And by the way, last year with Scott Fish was the first time I played in a PP1. I've heard about it before, but first time I played in a PP1. Yeah, me too. Case, what we call this league there now? PPR half? PBR half R. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I like it. Uh, most important thing for me about the Scott Fishbowl, it is a super flex league. And uh, I believe it always has been as long as I've, I've been in, I don't know, seven, eight years now. Uh, I enjoy playing it. You know, I think it's fun. Uh, there's so many leagues and divisions. The playoffs always, I have no idea how the playoffs work. It's just too many teams. I just know to score as many points as possible. Yes, but that's your best bet. I, I, I've done horrible in Scott's Fishbowl. I think I've been in there for three or four years. Always one of my worst teams. I don't understand it. I have bad luck with Scott's Fishbowl. You've done well <laughs> on it, George? I, I'm a Superflex guy, so I generally do well in Superflex leagues. I understand how to, uh, how to work them, how to draft them. I did not do well last year. I had the uh, I had Aaron Rodgers. You know, when he got hurt, my team pretty much I, – I think I banked – not only did I have Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure I had Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson too. So I banked on Green Bay, and when he went down, oh, well, it was time to start drinking. <laughs> that was early in the day too, that Sunday, George. That was, that was before 2 o'clock when that happened. When he broke oh, seeing that minute, the lineman, yeah, full on. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know, I, I didn't have Aaron Rodgers in any, any other league because, once again, I don't draft quarterbacks early with the exception of Superflex and, uh, and two quarterback leagues. So at least it didn't crush my season, but it definitely crushed the Scott Fishbowl. Generally, I do well in there. Although uh, the, only, the, the year I did the best, this is, once again, lovely head-to-head leagues for you. I think uh, there's like 360 teams. I think I was a top-five scorer. But first week, I, first week of the playoffs, my team laid an egg. Maybe the top five scorer, but I lost my first playoff game. That happens, and it kind of is a story that happens to a lot of people in fantasy football. Uh, back to that Sunday with Aaron Rodgers. I was with our buddy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. He was up in the city, and we went out to Christopher Carroll's bar after we did the show to watch the uh, ball games. Took a taxi out there, 
went down to Vaccaro's place. As soon as we walked in, we saw Rodgers laying on the floor. Vaccaro, who was a high-stakes player, was heavily invested in Aaron Rodgers, so it's uh, he got to drinking also um, when, that, when, that, when that place took place. Now, I had Devontae Adams on a lot of teams, so I took some hits from it also. Adams was able to uh, tread water still a little bit um, while Brett Hundley was in there. So Adams is a guy I'm pulling into the first round this year. He's a player I'm going to be all over. Um, what I do find interesting, though, is a little bit later on in the day, Jake Seeley was like, I was sitting next to Jake, but as the games got a little bit more hot and heavy, I'm standing up walking around to different TVs and stuff. And Jake was like, yeah, you got up and left me, and I couldn't find you. And I'm like, Jake. I'm the only black dude in the joint, you know what I'm saying? How am I the hardest person <laughs> in, the pla- in the place to find, Jake? <laughs> oh, boy. Trying to say you might stand out? A little bit. You know what, George? I told that same story on air. Chris McCarroll heard it, and Chris McCarroll said, come on. He sent me a text saying, come on, man. Why would you do that to my bar, man? <laughs> Make it look like I run an organization that <laughs> doesn't allow certain people. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying, Chris. It's just that uh, I found it funny that the all-in kid couldn't find me. He very well could find me. You know, Jake wanted to complain. The first thing that went through my head when you said that, and you're old enough, so I think uh, you'll get the reference, or, you, or I should say you've seen the movie, is in 48 Hours when Eddie Murphy walks into the bar with Nick Nolte. Yeah, there you, know, you it's go. A, it's, a redneck, <laughs> it's a redneck bar. It's the first thing that went through my head. So, you know, all you got to do is sort of take a shot glass, throw it through the, uh, the mirror there, and you're right, you're right there with, uh, with Nick Nolte. Yeah, I would not disrespect the Greenwich Street Tavern like that. Shout out to my man, NFFC Hall of Famer, Chris Vaccaro. Oh, good times with that one. So I want to get back into some of these um some of these um depth charts and some of these rosters and talk about some of these players. When you look at the Buffalo Bills and their wide receiver core, you had Zay Jones coming back for his second year. <laughs> look away. Kel- <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> who they acquired in the trade from the Panthers last year. And after that, you got Jeremy Curley, couple of rookies, Rod Streeter still hanging around. And really, it's a whole bunch of nothing. Is this a this this is, is this a unit to avoid? Uh pretty much. I mean, what's, we hit, don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Nothing. We, we assume it's going to be Josh Allen, right? Are we going with Josh Allen the quarterback here, Corey? We're going with Josh Allen. Did he start from day one? All right, yep. you're going with Josh Allen the quarterback. So you got the rookie. I mean, I do like the kind of uh, the fact Kelvin Benjamin, big target. Right? You know, he's mm-hmm. not a breakaway guy, but big target because, you know, Allen could be a little off with his throws here, so it gives him a bigger, wide, wider range to go out and catch the ball. But Zay Jones had an, an, an intriguing offseason, to say the least, and now he's, got a, he's, he's hurt anyway. Curly, I want nothing to do with. So it's really it's Benjamin and Benjamin only here. And he's going to fall down to me to what? Low range wide receiver three? Because what's his upside here? Does he have any upside here? Yeah, with little. these two quarterbacks, yeah, it's it's minimal. There's no, and I like taking guys with some upside here. And I just don't see it. I think with a, a different team, I'd like Benjamin a lot more. You know, Charles Clay is sort of the same situation here as well. When Tyrod Taylor was there, Charles Clay was a legitimate red zone threat. Tyrod Taylor used him in the red zone. We don't know what's going to happen with Josh Allen. You know, he'd be the same uh, way here. So, you know, I made the joke of look away, but that's really not a joke. I don't think I'm going anywhere near here. Benjamin would be the only guy I would think, think about. Yeah, and I agree with you on that one, and it, and it would be tough to get him uh, to feel comfortable drafting him on your fantasy team, and, you know, the round dependent, obviously, of course. Another AFC East team that I have a rookie quarterback this year is the New York Jets. When you look at their wide receiver core, a little bit more to see here, depending on player to quarterback. They have Quincy and Newman, Jermaine Kirsch, and Robbie Anderson. Kirsch and Anderson worked magic, did wonders for fantasy owners last year when – um. When uh, Josh McCown was in there behind the, uh, the the center calling the signals, this year they bring in Terrell Pryor. You have the return of a healthy Quincy and Nunwa. Nunwa was the guy that fantasy owners were on last year. He gets injured, misses the whole season. Anderson pops. Curse shows flashes. They bring in Pryor, who was a tremendous disappointment. More to see here, but where do you think the majority of the work goes? As far as when it comes to drafting these guys, I'm willing to go back to a noon one because I think you get them for a better price than trying to strike lightning and the try to catch lightning in the bottle with Robbie Anderson again. Well, there's a couple things to worry about here. One, who's, once again, who's the quarterback going to be? I don't it's think John Bridgewater be, makes the uh, 
Sam Donald's going to be the quarterback. Bridgewater might be traded. Yeah, I think Bridgewater, they'll, that's what they want to do. They want to trade Bridgewater. I think they'll be able to get much for him unless, unless another team suffers an injury at quarterback. I think that's what they need to get, uh, uh, I guess, good value for him. So it's McCown, Donald. I think McCown starts the season right now, I think, though. That could easily change if uh, Donald uh, lights it up during camp. But at some point, Donald's taking over this job. So, let's get that's a problem. I do like – I think each one of these receivers has some value. Robbie Anderson yeah. could also be suspended. Remember, as we saw last year with Ezekiel Elliott, just because the case didn't go to court doesn't mean crap as far as Goodell's concerned. He nope. could easily suspend Anderson. Two games, four games, six, eight. Who, know, who the hell knows? The Look, Goodell, we don't branch, know. The, the NFL is the fourth branch of government. Pretty much. It does seem to be that way, right? Uh-huh. So, I, and, I, and I do expect a suspension to come down. If I had to guess, I would say two games, but once again, generally I'm on the, the uh, wrong end of these things. So I would agree with you. Uh, Pryor, I'm not going uh, listen, he killed me last year. I believed the prior into last year with Kirk Cousins and Wash. I thought it was going to be a, a really good max one-year contract, wanting to play it up, and uh, he laid a huge egg. You know, so I, I can't go back to that well, and he's already hurt. You know, he's got an ankle injury. So I'm going to agree with you on a noon one, mainly because I like what you said at the end, the price you can pay which will be cheap. And now, once again, I don't want him as a top three wide receiver. He's more of a flex guy, bench guy for me, because uh, I'm going to worry that when Donald does take over, this passing offense slows down for a little bit. Uh, I do like the running backs there, so there'll be a running attack, which is good, because it'll keep the defenses honest here. But bottom line is for me, I'm not going to love any of these guys, but a new one, because of the price I think I can get, probably does interest me the most as well. But odds are, Corey, I won't have any Jets on my – no Jets wide receivers on my roster. Yeah, it's a, tough, it's a tough position to try to figure out. I like a new one with late. Pryor has the bounce-back ability, but we want to see some kind of chemistry with the quarterback, and it's going to be hard to, to risk in him after the way he disappointed last season. What I will say about Terrell Pryor, the reason why he had that one good year wide receiver, but this guy's supposed to be a quarterback. Uh, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, talking about the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver uh, group over here. Rashard Perriman, who I would never draft again. Well, I, I never drafted him because I knew a bunch of a fraud he was. But, but the people that talk him up during the months of July and August, I'm not even going to – I'm not even going to say nothing. I'm going to say, okay, go ahead. I'm not even going to fight with them about that. Sneed, Crabtree, and Brown comes over from Arizona. Those are the interesting ones in Baltimore. Joe Flacco, we already know. Check, baby, check, baby. One, two, 5.6 yards in a temp last season. Yikes. Um, with that being said, some interesting pieces here. Because you know how much Flacco is going to wing it. Brown never really became outside of one season what he was supposed to be. Crabtree has been rock solid, legit, probably a mistake for Oakland to let him go. And Willie Sneed was a guy that fantasy owners were in on last year in the fifth, sixth round range until he took that hit and got suspended. Obviously, Alvin Kamara takes over as the main pass catching option outside of Michael Thomas in New Orleans. So now he gets a new home in Sneed. Sneed. Listen, these are interesting guys, George. Somebody, maybe two of these guys going to have value. Okay, here's the thing, though. See, whenever we start talking about wide receivers, the first thing I, first place I go to is the quarterback. Now, mm-hmm. Flacco, who's been disappointing for years, right? I mean, really, outside the Super Bowl run, he's been disappointing. His best uh, throw is the deep throw. That's what he does well. He, he knows how to put the air under the ball and get there. The Baltimore Ravens owe him no more guaranteed money after this year. They traded up for Lamar Jackson. We know, at the very least, there's going to be a package of plays for Lamar Jackson uh, each game. And that'll probably lessen the value of the wide receivers when he's in there. He's going to a mobile quarterback. It'll take him time to get in uh, chemistry with those wide receivers. I don't expect the Ravens to be good this season. So I think it's just a matter of time, week 8, week 10, until Lamar Jackson's the full-time quarterback. Because I think if I'm Baltimore, if I'm Harbaugh, I want to get rid of the, uh, the rookie blues this season, in a down season, and have Lamar Jackson have time to grow. With Crabtree, Brown, Sneed, uh, Hurst, uh, Andrews, uh, his tight ends, whatever. I, I want to get all the uh, the kinks out this year and probably start fresh the, uh, next season. Once the season gets out of hand, I expect it to. So that's going to lessen my value here on all these guys. Because I think it's going to be a learning curve for Lamar Jackson once he does take over. And I, I'll say it again, I do expect him to take over. You know, I don't think they trade up for him to have him sit on the bench this whole season. And over the you know, six to eight plays a game, I don't think that's going to happen. So that's my issue here. You know, I think if Flacco, if I knew Flacco was going to start all season, yes, then Crabtree would have value to me. Probably the only one as far really? as that I would draft. You Brown, know, Sneed, huh? maybe. It couldn't really do much with uh, Drew Brees. Now with Joe, Joe Flacco, 
Uh, I, I, I like Snead. I, I, I bought in on Snead last year. And he was so disappointing with, with Breeze. I don't think I'm going there again. Brown, actually, I like him in best ball. Because I think okay. he will have some games where, once again, Flacco finds him. You know, those deep passes he has, you know, three catches, 75 yards, two touchdowns wouldn't shock me. You know, so I like him more in best ball than I do in redraft. All right. And that is the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver bunch. Interesting group. Going to see how that one shakes out. Um, let's go out to Jacksonville and look at these wideouts in Jacksonville. Marquise Lee, Dante Moncrief lead the pack. They bring they bring in Moncrief from the Indianapolis Colts, a player I thought the Cowboys should have been on. They draft DJ Chalk. Don't forget you got D.D. Westbrook, who was supposed to break out last season, and not to mention Keelan Cole, who down the stretch last year was also very impressive. Allen Robinson was the lead dog in this group. He's no longer there. Ah, oh, man, it's Blake Bortles, so you know what you get with Blake Bortles. This is an interesting bunch, mainly because somebody out of this group is going to get it done and be a wide receiver too. Your guess is it would be Marquise Lee. I like Moncrief and what he's done in the red zones traditionally. It's a lot. It's a lot here, George. Who are you banking on? You know, I think the Jaguars are attempting fate all over the place here. I love the defense. So they obviously obviously put in good position. You know, it's not like they're going to be starting at their own 10-yard line. They're going to have a lot of good field position around their 40. It's a lot of turnovers in the other team's zone. So I like that. You're tempting fate by, uh, you know, you re-sign Bortles. I would have gone in a different direction. I don't, I don't trust Bortles. I think Jacksonville showed them, uh, showed their true colors last year you know, when they didn't trust Bortles in the second half versus New England. They shut it down. It probably cost them the game because they didn't want Bortles to lose it for them. You're tempting fate. You let Robinson go. And as you said, it, someone will end up being a wide receiver too because they don't have a wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. So Lee, Moncrief, even Cole, one of these guys will end up being a wide receiver too. So I'm banking on Lee as well. But sort of what we said now for a couple of these teams that have this kind of mess at wide receiver, he's going to get banged around a lot. He got hurt a bunch of times last year. He was questionable a yeah. lot, or, you know, in game, out of game. I think the same thing happens this year because he's not built to be a number. And I'm not saying they should have signed Allen Robinson. I understand coming off the ACL, wanted big money. You got you to gotta make some tough choices here. But without that true number one here, I think this hurts Bortles a little bit. I think it hurts Lee a little bit. I think teams are going to really probably probably focus on Fournette, which is what I would do, and force Bortles to beat you with the pass. You know, I, I, to answer your question, Corey, I'm taking Lee. He's the guy I want here, but he's a wide receiver at three for me. Moncrief does have some upside. It was good. Very Even though Moncrief wasn't good at necessarily catching a lot of passes, he was good in the red zone with Indianapolis. Excellent. Maybe the same mm-hmm. thing happens here, but we, we don't know. You know, probably we don't know if they'll be used the same way. Keelan Cole is somebody I might not mind on my bench just to see if he breaks out again. Had some big games last season. No doubt he sure did, and D.D. Westbrook was a player that was talked up also. So that is the bunch right there. About to put the first hour of the fantasy football frenzy in the books. So when we come back, hour number two, continue to go through some of these stuff. Uh, Rob Gronkowski in the news also this week. So we'll get into that, break that down a little bit. Right here on FNTSY Radio. No Uber Eats today, George. I'm going to go ahead and go to the grocery store after the show. I'm going to be responsible. Food shopping. You go, Corey. Look at that, George. What do you think? Let's see. What are you going to get? Going to get a little chopped meat? Get a little chopped meat? No, there, Corey. You maybe make a burger or two? Uh, George, you nailed it. <laughs> you knew I wasn't going to sit in here and bake a chicken. You know what I'm saying? And and put uh, I've never done that on. either. Yeah. You do a lot of the cooking, George, or does, your, or does your wife cook, or do you share the duties? Uh, I can cook. Uh, during the week, I do more of it because my wife's working the weekends. Yeah, she's, no doubt. Here. she's a better cook than I am. Yeah, okay. My wife can make anything. But I got to tell you, Corey, I'm a pain in the ass eater. Most of the stuff she makes, I, I, I won't eat because I'm, I'm Irish, man. Meat and potatoes or Italian food, I'm a happy guy. I don't eat anything fancy. And she makes some things there. If, you know, if I can't pronounce it, I ain't eating it. That is words from George Kurtz. We come back, hour number two of the Frenzy, continue to break down some of these depth charts, see what we like, go team by team, plus some of the latest news from the week right here on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. <laughs> 